So uh, I love uh, the storytelling and the telling stories that gets done here on this podcast. And one of my favorite episodes was with Ron Garrett, who uh, had reversed his type 2 diabetes uh, and was living a completely different lifestyle now. And uh, I love hearing that story. So I wanted to find more and more people to tell their story of how through nutrition uh, that they've reversed their type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance and live in a completely different lifestyle now. And one of those guys is Miles. Uh, Miles is, uh, lives in the Pacific Northwest. He's an attorney, uh, lifts weights, loves motorsports. Um, you know, he's a steak connoisseur. Uh, his Instagram, uh, he's always making steaks and they're awesome looking. Uh, and he's super intelligent and we had just have a great, uh, uh, I have a great time listening to his story and uh, the process that he went through um, to lose all his weight and just become uh, a super awesome, healthy cat. And uh, I love hearing his story, and I hope you love his story as much as I did. Because if you, if he can do it and I can do it, uh, and all these other guys can do it, you can do it. And I want you to remember that as you listen to his story. Thank you. Right on, this is Jeffrey with Mountain Man Nutrition, and we have uh, an awesome guest, Miles Russell on. Miles, are you there? I am. Awesome. Uh, so the reason I wanted to have Miles on uh, this podcast is because Miles My- is one of those uh, unique guys, uh, like myself, who has reversed his type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. And uh, with that being the focus of this podcast mainly, I really want to have uh, uh, guys on here or women on here to tell their story of how they do it. Because I understand that if I can do it and Miles can do it, um, then you can do it as well. And I want you to understand uh, as the uh, listeners or clients that you can do that as well. So, Miles, man, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Cool. This is a, uh, a unique situation for me because this is uh, this podcasting thing is so new and um, every I, we do different things all the time. Uh, so this is over the phone recording with both of us having the Anchor app. So this is the first time I've done this. So hopefully the quality will be good and we'll uh, uh, be able to do this again sometime. So, uh, uh, Miles, man, uh, how did you get started? Can you give us a little history about yourself and how you got started in the, um, reversing your type? Well, so I, um, in t- 2011, I was in law school and I think I, I had a year or two before that I had been put on high blood pressure medication. Um, and I went, when I got to law school, my health insurance changed and I ran out of that medication. And so I was like, oh, I should probably go get that refilled. So I go to the school because the, the law school had uh, an insurance plan for students. And I go there and as part of the intake to get health insurance um, and the prescription, the doctor's like, well, I can't just give it to you. I have to, you know, to, you know do a test and make sure you actually need it. And they weighed me um, and like they told me that I was too heavy for the scale and they had to use a special scale and then took my blood pressure and then made me do um a, um, a couple blood tests. And so I came back, um, I had to do those fasted, um, um, as I'm, you may, I'm sure you're aware about blood glucose tests. So I came back and they're like, well, you weigh, you know, 460, um, I think 63 or 65 pounds and your cholesterol is high and you're basically pre-diabetic or on that threshold. 
and you know you have like metabolic syndrome like i said obesity high cholesterol high fasting blood glucose and the doctor told me um yeah you do need medication but this is that's that's just treating all these horrible things and you know you should try to lose weight and that was kind of like a wake-up call for me if that makes sense um and so i went home and um, thought about it the doctor told me to do the dash diet which is i think dieting around stopping hypertension which is like a, a very much like a plant grain based kind of diet eating lots of spinach and yogurt and reducing saturated fat intake and i was tried that and i just it didn't seem palatable that interesting to me my diet was very much like a junk food standard american style diet lots of pizza and pasta and like salt, salty you know palatable things and so I was just researching diets on the internet because, you know, I didn't want to give up. I wanted to like turn things around. And I saw an article online about him. It said like man loses 200 pounds. And I said, Oh, well that I, you know, that's about as much weight as I need to lose. So I'll see what he did. And it led me to the something awful forum and Reddit keto and this like basically the low carb, high fat diet. And that's how I got started. Well, that's uh, um, a cool story because not, not very often, do we like go to the doctor and doctor, you know, actually points us in some kind of a direction. So the dash diet is a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh grains, the whole grains and, uh, pretty carby. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like the doctor said here, here's like a meal plan. And it was like a brochure and it was like eat whole grain, the classic, like eat whole grain, don't eat processed grain. So like do whole wheat pasta, do <laughs> like, you know, this, the 19 grain bread, eat spinach, eat lots of veggies fibrous veggies, you know, the lean protein thing, basically like, you know, chicken breast, you know, on dry bread with lots oh, of, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, that, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, those, those whole wheat pastas and uh, uh, some of those uh, supposedly whole wheat breads can actually spike your blood sugar higher than just like the crappy, crappy wonder bread or regular pasta. Yeah. When you look at the glycemic <laughs> index, I remember when I learned that it's kind of surprising, you know, how, like the quote unquote healthy things, they're just kind of very, they turn your sugar really quickly in your bloodstream. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. So um, you were still in medical or you were still in um, uh, law school at this time or were you, were you a uh, functioning lawyer? That was my, um, the start of my second year of law school when I discovered right. that. And then um, how, how did it continue? You found this diet and you started eating uh, higher fat and microprotein and low carb. Um, uh, what was that like at the beginning? Can you describe that for other people? Yeah, so I, I didn't, I mean, there was less, there was a lot of information available on, on Reddit, but there wasn't like, you know, as much as we have now, there wasn't a lot of like, like people who were like sources of inspiration or YouTube channels explaining it as clearly. And so I kind of jumped in, um, just, oh, okay, I'll cut carbs out of my diet. And it wasn't, I didn't have a food scale. I didn't, um, you know, uh, know all what, what foods had a certain amount of carbs in them. I just knew I need to avoid sugar. You know, I can't drink soda anymore. Um, I can't have breading. So if something has like breading on, I got to watch out for that. Um, but even that I was still kind of lazy. Like I would go to the bar and get boneless wings, which are still kind of lightly breaded, but just even, um, uh, taking the effort to kind of consciously reduce carbs got me started. And that, that got, you know, I went through the, the whole, keto flu thing where I felt really miserable and had headaches. Um, and so for the first week or two, I remember that. Um, but I started losing weight. It just started working just by like not eating carbs. I think the first thing that what it did for me is it really regulated my appetite. And I realized 
how much I was hungry all the time and how much I wanted to eat. And so once I just started reducing the carb intake, my, my appetite just kind of, you know, it's, it, it didn't go away, but it, it, it definitely became reduced. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a, a pivotal information, uh, especially for people just getting started. Um, especially this really, it, it kind of hooks um, people into the ketogenic diet or the low carb lifestyles because you do drop 10 or 12 pounds really quickly and that's because carbohydrates uh, retain liquid in your body. They retain inflammation, retain water. And when you cut those out, um, you tend to like just liquidate all this water uh, uh, pretty quickly. And it's, and it's pretty substantial. It could be anywhere from, you know, five, eight to up to 25 pounds um, just in the first couple of weeks. I know I personally lost like 12 pounds in two weeks uh, on my first, first two weeks of uh, cutting out carbohydrates. Yeah, for me it was. I so I I I bought a scale on on um, that only went up to I think to four hundred and forty five pounds. It said, and I remember the first time I stood on it, it said error because I was too heavy for it. Because I think a doctor told me I was like four sixty five, and then I think by like day three of keto, I was down to four forty four. So I lost about twenty pounds in the first week, um, and of course that's like tons of glycogen um, and water. And some fat, but that just initial thing really gets people motivated. I think what's important, though, is that people need to realize that it is a lot of water and it's not going to be that fast. But that first week, that, I mean, that, that's really important for just like, hey, it's working. Something is going right. Yeah, well, and two, and I try to put like losing weight on the back burner because of all the other health benefits that uh, reversing your type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance has. You know, and that's especially like in the first two weeks, reducing all that inflammation in your body, uh, in your heart and in, in your digestive system, getting rid of all that inflammation is huge for your like ultimate um, optimal health. Um, and so that's just number one or off the bat. Yes, it's a weight loss, but it's um, even more important than that. It's, it's a, about the ultimate health of your body. And that's it's a huge first step. Exactly. Um, so going from there, um, uh, what else did you notice besides not being hungry, of course? Uh, and that, and that's a big step is you, you, know, you stop eating every two hours, every three hours and you stop, um, at least in my experience, you stop, um, you know, thinking about and preparing and looking forward to, and like it, the mental process of, you know, what is my next meal? How am I going to pair it? Where am I going to get it? You know, staring at the, uh, you know, the vending machine for a half hour before you get up and go get something out of it. Um, uh, what was the next step for you? Yeah. So for the first things I noticed um, were again, um, just the, the, the losing the water weight and then my appetite um, getting regulated. Like I used to wake up just first thing in the morning, starving and want, and I would eat like, you know, sugary cereal. Then I'd be hungry by like uh, 1030 um, I'd be in class hungry and then want to get a snack. Um, I'd eat lunch at school, um, then go home and get home at like three o'clock and be hungry and kind of have a dinner, dinner number one, as I used to call it, you know, to myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then my girlfriend would get home and we have dinner number two with her. And so I was just eating so much food. And for, I think it just, just seeing my appetite change, um, I realized how much I was eating before. Cause you don't really think about it. Sometimes you, you just kind of normalize it. And, so that was step number one. Two is that, you know, a lot of things just improved. Like um, my joints hurt less. Um, I had, you know, some skin stuff that kind of just cleared up. You know, I, I guess one of the, the symptoms of like having high blood sugar is you get like, I think it's called like anthrins, Nigerians. I forgot how you pronounce it, but it's like a little, you know, 
skin discoloration on your neck that went away. I think I had like the very first indication of that. And that went, that went away. Um, my skin cleared up. I started sleeping much better. Um, cause I was, I was sleeping so poorly. I didn't even realize that. So I, I was just less tired. Um, I joined the gym and started lifting weights and I just was recovering better, less inflammation. Um, and so I just kind of felt like, wow, this is amazing. Um, so I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and so I ended up losing about 40 pounds by the end of the year. I started in October and by January I was down to 400. Well, I, I liked it the, the way you did it too, is because it, it, it was a slow and gradual, like, okay, I'm adding this, I'm taking away this. I feel better, so now I'm going to start doing this. I'm noticing now down the line I'm sleeping better. Hey, I got more energy now. What am I going to do with this energy? Let's get into the gym. Uh, and this is a, a, a really great process to do is slowly add uh, things in um, slowly. Take away things slowly, add things slowly, and, and by the, you know, you turn around and, man, you've, you've lost 40 pounds. So what? What uh, at first? What were you eating? And I see what you're eating because I follow you on Instagram um, a lot. Um, but what were you eating right off the bat? Early? What was your like uh, meal prep when you first started? Well, it's a lot different than now. So um, back then, um, I just didn't know. I didn't really know how to cook very much. I mean, I think my cooking skills were limited to literally making eggs, making pasta. You know, heating up frozen pizza eating, you know, it's just very simple, like college type food, like a college kid could make, you know, top ramen. So I didn't have a lot of cooking skills. My parents didn't grow up um, um, doing a lot of cooking besides making breakfast. And so I kind of just went to the store and was like, okay, I'll start reading labels and I'll start eating hot dogs. And I would get a lot of hot dogs, some hamburger patties. Um, I would go to the, the, the bar and get buffalo wings a lot because that was really easy to get. I, and um I would you didn't realize fat. the buffalo sauce had a bunch of sugar in it yet, did you? No, I just, I would just I, it wasn't like perfect. It was just about reducing my carb intake at first. Um, and without even really strictly tracking, I just me mentally, I guess some people call that lazy keto, but that wasn't a phrase that I heard back then. But just mentally, it was like, I need to keep my carbs low. And so it was a lot of like um, going, getting burgers at restaurants and not having a bun. Um, I, I didn't eat a lot of nuts then. Um, but I think I started eating more nuts, getting some salami, just a lot of processed, um, easily available foods. That you didn't have to do a lot of cooking. Uh -huh. That was what it looked like at first. I would go to the dining hall and my, my law school had a, had a dining hall, um, next to it. And I would just say, Hey, can you make me a piece of chicken or a piece of meat with some cheese on it? And they're like, you know, you don't want a hamburger. I was like, no, I just want the meat. Or I'd go to the salad bar and say, I want a salad and just give me some bacon and some ranch and some eggs. Um, I wasn't tracking calories. I was just, um, Kind of, it was kind of like, you know, slowly getting it used to what it meant to be a low-carb diet without, like, any sort yeah. of perfection. And, that, and, and, that's, and that's super great because it's a start, right? It's like you're, you're educating yourself. You're getting started. You're doing it, right? And it doesn't have to be, um, like, grass-fed beef right off the bat. It doesn't have to be perfect right off the bat. It's let, it, taking the steps and the baby steps is what's most important here so you don't have to go from like crappy garbage horrible diet to perfect awesomeness you know in one fail swoop because that's really a, a setup for failure yeah yeah i think you can you can try to do too much at once um i mean i didn't even know like what what grass-fed meat even meant back then like i didn't know anything about food I, as much as i do now i didn't know like oh I knew like omega three, six, nine fatty acids or what vitamins were. I kind of had a, a layman's understanding of that, 
Um, you know, I'm kind of educated, but I'm, I wasn't like a, an expert in food. Um, and I didn't know, like, I knew that like if you peed on those strips, it would test your blood. It would show ketones in your urine. I knew generally what the, how, what, what ketosis was, but I didn't really, you know, wasn't really concerned about all the, the minutiae. I just wanted to start and try it and see if it worked for me. And the, and the fact that it was working for me was kind of like what kept me hooked on it. Um, yeah. And um, I think looking back, I'm kind of glad I didn't try to do everything perfectly, like tra- track every calorie and everything and, you know, eat the most optimal, perfect diet. I mean, I see some people who they try to change their whole life and go from the standard American diet. to like a whole 30, you know, perfect diet. And I think that's, too much. I mean, some people can pull it off and I think that's great, but I knew I couldn't, I'd never been able to like make a complete life change anywhere in my life. And so I just want to take it easy and figure it out. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, I've seen so many people, uh, like you that couldn't cook, didn't know how to cook, didn't want really even want to cook, um, uh, to developing themselves as, you know, foodies that love to cook and actually, um, post a lot about it and show what they're doing. And they've really developed themselves as really, really good cooks. Um, do you consider yourself a foodie now? I, I, I don't know if I would use the word foodie, but I do consider myself someone who, who really appreciates and enjoys food, especially now that, you know, um, I eat so much less of it, but I want to make sure that um, it's good food. I think, like, I have some friends who, you know, every now and then they're trying to lose weight or they're talking about this diet or that diet, and I say, everything I eat is amazing, and that's why keto works for me. Some people say, you know, it's, it's not sustainable, and I say, I don't eat things that I don't like. You know, like someone, someone was saying about how they had to eat some sort of carrots and they didn't like it. I was like, why are you eating something you don't want? And they said, well, it's because it's healthy. And I say, well, there's plenty of things that are healthy, but, you know, find what's healthy for you that you enjoy. And I really have tried to do that in my life. Um, I like certain vegetables. I don't like other ones. Um, And so I find things that I like that I find delicious. And so I really improved my cooking skills. Um tremendously and so i just really get a lot of pleasure from from um making myself a really nice steak or using my sous vide to kind of experiment and come up with something that i really enjoy because i just really i've really come to appreciate quality uh, i don't necessarily mean that i'm eating like everything grass-fed and organic this but you know i i just feel better that way i i, I feel better eating more you know actual like nice pieces of meat than say pepperoni sticks all the time i feel better when i have you know some high quality food. And so I just really have really enjoyed learning how to be a better cook. I think I would like to become a better baker so I can make more like keto baked goods um, every now and then, but that's something that I'm, I'm still working on. And I think it's like a lifelong process. You don't need to become a master overnight. It's just everything you do is an experiment. Someone once asked me like, Hey, I want to make a steak. Like what, what should I do? I was like, just go buy a steak and try cooking it. You know, just, <laughs> right? just, just do it and then see what happens. And if it's, exactly. if it's, the worst thing is you get an over, overcooked steak, but it's a delicious experiment. Just keep trying it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. You know, I've been doing this for um, over a year now uh, in this type of cooking and, and being a professional chef. Like, I just, you know, do what I do because uh, I know what I like. I know what my family likes. I know how to cook. Um, and it's mostly whole foods and things like that. And when I've done the keto breads and the keto baking and stuff, I, I tend to eat, like, overeat and, like, crave it like it's regular bread, which is interesting but uh, because of the kids and different things like that, I'm starting to experiment more, um, you know, making homemade ice cream, uh, making um, cheesecakes and like regular uh, keto breads. So it's an interesting process to learn. And I've been doing this for over a year. And um, I just, you know, now 
after this long ex- experimenting myself, you know? Um, so I, I think, I think you're right by it's a lifelong process and you don't have to get it done right away. So with that being said, like, when did you start like really experimenting with food and understanding that you could cook and then you could upgrade your quality of food that you're eating by learning how to cook? Well, it took a while. Cause I, I, I kind of started out pretty slow and didn't really like, like lock into the diet hardcore for a while. So for the first couple of years, I was kind of lazy. I mean, I was losing weight, but it was very gradual. My, I'd say my diet was very much a, a work, a work in progress. I, I ate out a lot for most of my meals um, just because I was so busy in law school. And then when I graduated from law school, I came home and was living with my mom while I was studying for the bar because, you know, I didn't have a job, didn't have, right. any, didn't have any money. And so I was just living with my mom. My mom is very, she had done a low carb diet um, and was aware of what, what foods were available. And so she would buy stuff for me. And so it was a lot of bacon and eggs, very easy stuff to make. Um, lots of uh, just, again, just like sandwich meat with some, with some mayonnaise, burgers with no buns, hot dogs. It was very much like minimalist. And that worked for me because I don't need a lot of variety. I never really have. Even when I ate um, a standard American diet, it was the same kind of food over and over and over. I, I was never, I've never been somebody who had a really like, oh, I need lots of variety or color on my plate in order to be satisfied. So that simplicity worked for me. And I just kind of learned more like, oh, that pork rinds exist or blue diamond almonds exist. And Quest bars came out and I could have, if I need something sweet, I could have a Quest bar. Just kind of expanding my knowledge base. And then once I got on my own um, and passed the bar and started working and, could, and was able to, ju- you know, have a set a food budget, I started, you know, reading about cooking and, and recipes. And I think my, the first recipe I mastered was like this pesto chicken recipe that I found online. And then I kind of went from there and just wanted to slowly improve my cooking skills over time. Um, and but then I realized I, I like to, I like to cook, but I don't necessarily want to make a lot of exotic things. It just doesn't really, it's not really my thing. I like simplicity. So like a protein with a vegetable is kind of my standard thing. And I, and I grew up not really steak. Wasn't a big thing in my family. Um, and I remember every time, every now and then my mom or dad would try making it and it would be overcooked and chewy. And I, so I always had a bad like relationship with steak because of that. And then I remember, you know, um, thinking, well, a steakhouse, they're, the steaks are great. You still learn how to cook it. And so I, I made it my goal to learn how to cook steak. And I, I kind of accomplished that. And then my next goal was to learn how to cook pork and kind of go from there. I just set a challenge for myself and figure out what I can and can't do, what my limitations are. Wow. I tell you, I, I, like, I like to really like the process. So tell me this, what was the most difficult aspect through this process for you? Um, I would say um, the, whole, the most difficult aspect of the keto diet for me, um, was just psychological. So, um, I, I never, I, I mean, my life improved a lot at the same time that I was discovering this, um, just because, you know, I graduated from law school, I got a job, became gainfully employed. Um, my career changed. I, I just learned how to budget better. I think what's true is that like, you, you can't, it's really difficult to like kind of change one aspect of your life for the better without having some spillover effect and vice versa. We tend to do everything, you know, the way we do one thing. So, you know, a lot of people quit drinking or quit smoking or start working out. Like you kind of improve a lot of areas of your life um, at once. And so my life really improved for the better because I got in better shape. I started spending my money more wisely. Um, 
And I remember thinking at one point, like, wow, I really accomplished a lot. I don't want to go backwards. And there's a lot of um, people who, who fail. They, they, they gain weight back. Um, the diet doesn't work for them. And I never wanted to, to go backwards. And so I think psychologically, that was the challenging thing. Like, you don't want to, like, fail. Um, but, but you can't be afraid of failure. You kind of have to experiment um, and, and challenge yourself. But just kind of accepting the fact that, yeah, I'm, I, I did do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm in great shape. And I can... I know what it, what it takes to lose and gain weight. And so when I tried to like, you know, start going to the gym and put muscle on, I knew I had to eat more food. And so when you're focused on losing weight for so long, trying to gain weight or improve your body composition is very, very daunting because you don't want to like relapse, you know, that was, so for me, like that was the challenge. And then I guess some of, some of it was just kind of dealing with other people in your life who are resistant to you changing, which I was kind of surprising to me how much pushback I got. So just, and that's again, a psychological thing more than anything else. Yeah, interesting. How uh, how difficult was it with your peers um, when they're seeing you? You go out to dinner on a business thing, and you're eating a particular way that's weird to a lot of people. How how is the social aspect for you of all this? So the, the it, people who don't know you, um, you know that you, you when you make a new friend, they kind of accept. You know, you you kind of define who you are to the world as long as you're congruent with how you present yourself. So if I meet somebody. And I, and I say, I'm a carnivore. I don't eat. All I eat is steak. They may think it's weird, but at some point they're like, okay, that guy's just weird. But if you um, have a friend who's always known you one day and one day you say, I'm going to do X from now on, they're going to be really resistant to that change no matter what it is because in their head you are a certain thing. We kind of define people by what we know of them. And so when you change yourself fundamentally, a lot of people are resistant to that and they either consciously or unconsciously want to kind of get you back to where you were. And so they'll kind of test that new boundary to see how real it is. Um, some people do it out of jealousy. Some people do it just because it's like their natural instinct. They're not trying to be mean. Some people do it because they don't like what's happened or they're worried about you or they're projecting their own insecurity. And so my, with my dad, my dad's like one of my, I love my dad and he's a great supporter of me and my career and, and in, um, in fitness and he always wanted me to be in better shape but I think even he was like whoa you're getting too skinny because he was always the one who was in better shape and I think it was weird for him to be you know when he got older and lost his six pack to have a son who's all of a sudden like strong and in shape or um, I had a couple of friends who were vegetarian and they're like uh, like to them vegetarian was healthy and then I'm telling them I'm in the best shape of my life and I barely eat vegetables they're like that's not true because that is a threat to what I believe about myself and so they kind of push back or had some friends who are like, you used to be fat. And like, I'm like, yeah, I did used to be fat, you know, but I'm not anymore. Um, and this is why. And people be like, well, don't you miss X, Y, and Z? And I said, well, I, I maybe, but I also don't miss being fat, <laughs> and, you know? So or, and this, with this no is, energy or no sleep. Yeah. And, and so I, yeah, this man. is what I've chosen because this is what works best for me. Um, and so like, that's, that was just kind of an interesting transition. And then some coworkers were like, you know, that looks so unhealthy you know, I can never lose weight eating all that greasy meat. And I was like, this is how I lost all the weight eating the greasy meat, you know? And they're like, that doesn't make any sense, you know? So <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to the, uh, uh, normal Western dieter that still found, follows the, you know, paradigm of low carb or high, high carb, low fat diet. Yeah, and some people thought it would be kind of like a trend, like, oh, you're still doing that, that fad diet? And I was like, yes. And they're like, that's not sustainable. And I'd be like, I've been doing it for, for four or five years, and yep. I'm in the and best shape of my life. you look amazing, too. I've, I've seen your before and after pictures, man. It's, it's profound uh, just seeing, uh, like, you're a whole different human being now. 
well, amazing. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I think that's something that's hard for me to accept. I've gotten a couple of comments on Instagram lately and someone's like, wow, you look amazing. Or, you know, there's a great um, person on Instagram named Bacon and Megs. And she said, you really, you really look at home in your body. And she's talked about how difficult it can be to kind of get used to your body. And I think that's really true. You're just used to being a big person. I think so. I heard some, someone on a different podcast talking about how, you know, people who are fat, like there's a study where they asked them to put like, put some barriers up that you think you can fit through like physical barriers. And the people who used to be fat will always put them bigger than necessary because they're not used to mentally being a smaller person. And so it just takes a lot of, uh, and I'm kind of like an arrogant, you know, cocky person. Uh, that's just my nature who I am, but still <laughs> I, I, it's, awesome. hard, it's hard for me to kind of be like, yes, I'm jacked and in shape. You know, I still view myself as kind of like not like that kind of person. So just accepting that you've changed is difficult. Yeah. How, how do you how did you do that? What, what are some tips about um, the me- mental and emotional aspects of losing weight and feeling like a different person and dealing with all, all this? Uh, uh, some people who may or may not be negative or, you know, just dealing with your own mental processes. What what was well, your um, go to on that? Well, I think a lot of it is I've I've always been kind of a stubborn, you know, my way. Like you know, if, if there's a theme song to my life, it'd be you know, um, you know, I did it my way, Frank Sinatra, for better or worse. Um, you know, I made a bunch of mistakes. You know, I got really fat. Um, you know, I've you know I've had some bad friendships. I've you know made poor decisions. I, but I've made a lot of great decisions. I you know I I got a full ride to, to college because I worked hard in in in, in high school, I, you know, I, I put myself through law school, I passed the bar. Um, and I had help along the way. But you know, for better or worse, a lot of things I've done in life, I've just done it from self direction, which I'm proud of, and also regret in certain cases. Um, but a lot of that was self self determined. But I think I just kind of at some point along the way, I discovered kind of a, a stoic philosophy of you just kind of have to, you know, you know, be disciplined more than anything else. People are going to push back on you and just be like, well, I'm going to do me and, and not necessarily care what other people think. I mean, I just read, learned a lot about, about psychology through work because I deal with a lot of mental health issues in the, in the field of law I practice and just kind of learned more about having more healthy emotional boundaries um, and just kind of accepting that it doesn't really matter what people think. You know, I'm not, you know, they can have their feelings as long as they're not out there hurting people, you know, the fact that they're uncomfortable with something and that's really their problem they have to work through. And if someone's uncomfortable with me changing, that's their problem. It's not that my, I have to focus on doing what's best for me, even if it means like alienating people, right? You're going to lose some friends uh, um, and, and, and piss off some family members sometimes when you improve yourself. Self-improvement um, is something you're doing for yourself first. You know, it's like self-love um, and that may m- minimize how much energy you're devoting to other people. Like if you have friends, like typically like, you know, there's a, there's a cliche phrase that you're the average of the five people you spend, your, you spend time with. If you're a really overweight person, odds are you're not spending most of your time with healthy, in-shape people. I'm not saying that's true, but your friends probably aren't, you know, CrossFitters and, you know, Paragons of Health and Fitness because, you know, you're probably people who live a similar lifestyle to you. Um, and again, that's a generalization, right? So you may have friends who, who are like, Oh, I, my friend is losing weight and I, I don't like that. And so pushing back against it, or like if, if you drink, if you're an alcoholic, you probably hang out with a bunch of drunks. And if you're trying to, to clean your life up, you may have to move on from those people. If, Absolutely. You, if you smoke cigarettes and you're trying to quit, you can't go to the cigarette smoke break um, when your office. Right. Um, and so you, you have to accept that when you change, you can't be the same person you were. I can't be miles who was overweight, but skinny. 
I didn't have to change a lot of who I was. Like if I, if, let's say, for example, you wanted to get out of debt. Um, you know, I see people post on Reddit sometimes in the personal finance forum or online, like, hey, here's my issue. I need to get out of debt. And everyone's like, you need to change how you, you view your life and your budget sometimes. And that's very difficult. You want to have Netflix and eat out for every meal, but you also don't want to be going into debt. Well, if you don't want to be going into debt, you're going to have to limit your expenses. You may have to change your priorities in life and become a different person. And so I think I was just like, accept that I'm not going to be miles from five years ago. I'm not even going to be miles from two years ago. I'm going to be miles now and kind of just accept that and let the process change me for the better. And I am a different person than I was a couple of years ago, just a lot of, for a lot of aspects. And that can mean that I'm, uh, some people who I was friends with don't really connect with me anymore. Maybe my relationship with my parents changes a little or my brother or you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, one of the most uh, amazing things that anybody said on this podcast. Uh, and it's so true. And, and having to deal with other people's insecurities or low self-worth um, or misery loves company. You know, if you get skinny and I'm still fat, um, you know, I, I, I don't like that at all because it just shows my uh, insecurities, you know, and people have to... and understand that and just roll past it um it's really difficult to emotionally and spiritually leave people behind but sometimes it's absolutely necessary yeah i i and it's sad but it's, it's true i mean you're going to change in life and you know you it's your priorities change i mean i i i've been on both sides of that i mean i've had friends who have started families and have kids and that becomes their lot their life is raising their family and I'm like, hey, man, I want to go like party this weekend or do this. And like, no, I got to have kids. And so they can't be the, you know, bad parents, you know, who are going to be partying when they have kids to, to worry about because they're, they're focused on being parents. And they, they, they accept the fact that when they became parents, that's their new identity. And, yeah. I, and they've really and, and I, I admire them because they've changed to, to really embrace that, um, even if it means that I don't get to see them as much or, or do as cool things I used to do with them because that's their new life. And they've accepted that. Yeah, it is about priority and just, um, you know, like lo losing the weight or reversing your insulin resistance or becoming optimally healthy. It has to become a priority or it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? You can stop eating bread. You can stop eating potatoes. You can start exercising more. You can do all this, um, but it has to become like a forefront thought in your process. Um, you have to be speaking it into existence. And most importantly, you have to do the individual footsteps every day to make it happen. And it, and it doesn't have to be a big leap. It's just one little step at a time. Like you demonstrated through this whole um, podcast is just a little bit at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a, a small, a small, it's a small series of things that compound over time. And I don't want to be like mean or harsh, but the way I look at it is like, and again, these are all quotes I've heard somewhere on the internet or from someone else. But I think the best way of looking at it is that if it's important to you, you will find a way. If it's not important to you, find an excuse. Yeah. You know, people will say like, oh, I could never do that. And what I hear is I'm afraid of trying that. I don't think I could um, or I don't want to do that. Um, and I'm not saying that keto is the only, the only way that works for anybody. You know, I know plenty of people who, who, who thrive and have lost weight with other diets, but they were committed to making it work for them. They found a way to make it work for them. They didn't find excuses. And that's true for a lot of things in life. And so that's what it takes. It takes kind of discipline more than anything else. It's not really about motivation. It's about discipline. And it's about, um, um, again, I, I'm always stealing all this stuff from other people I've seen on the internet. But that's the whole point of this. That's why I'm on the podcast is so someone can steal this from me. But it was, 
Um, you know, we are what we, what we consistently do. You know, we're not, we, you're, you, if I consistently wake up every day and say, man, you know, I really want to not go to the gym, but I'm going to go to the gym um, today. It makes it easier for me to go to the gym tomorrow. If, you know, when I choose to, to make one small change every day, yeah, am I going to do, am I going to be perfect every day? No, I'm going to step back some days, but uh, you build momentum. And then over time you can, you become that person. Um, it's, I think there's a great, one of my great, um, sources of inspiration is Matt Vincent and he used to be uh, a Highland games competitor. He's uh, got a fitness, um, YouTube channel and brand and he posted, uh, he has got, he's got a podcast too. And he was talking about like the, the bad days, you survive those bad days because you have a hundred good days. And those hundred good days are just small things. When you, you choose not to drink six beers, you choose to have four beers, you know, or whatever your vice is, right. You yeah. choose to go to the gym rather than not going to the gym. And then one day you're just a bad day. You know, your anxiety spikes or depressed, you know, you want that piece of cake. You, so you go eat that piece of cake that one day, the next day you can go back to what you're doing because you had those 90 days before that of, 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 of those small steps. Um, and then as long as you get back to it, whatever it is, you'll, 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 you'll be able to keep that momentum going forward because of all the small things you've done. That yeah. compounded. That, that's awesome because it's not like we go back to the beginning. You know, I mean, you've lost 40 pounds and you're feeling great, got brain, you know, there's no more brain fog. And, you know, you go to a party and somebody throws a piece of cake in your mouth and you just, you eat it, right? Yeah. It's not like you go back to the beginning, you have to start all over. You just, you know, go all about your day like you normally would um, with your exercise and your diet or whatever you got going on in your life. You don't go backwards. There's, you know, you just, you just keep the momentum and don't beat yourself up for having a damn piece of cake. Yeah, you know? that, I think the key is not beating yourself up and yeah. just, you know, accepting that it's, it's not like an overnight thing. You know, I didn't, I, um, I, I went on vacation recently to Ireland. It was like a once in a lifetime trip. My mom had never been to Europe. My mom's of the family is Irish. My um, grandfather's family comes from County or my grandmother's family comes from County Mayo. And my mom, my mother wanted to go to Ireland and she wanted to go back and return my grandmother's ashes. And, and that was going to be her first trip to Ireland. And I went, when I went there, I went, well, you know, knowing I want to have Irish bread. I want to have Irish this and Guinness that. Um, and I, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, my, my whole like uh, diet going to be derailed because I'm going to be in Ireland. And I told myself like, no, you, you, you've, you've learned what, what, how your body responds. You know that you're not going to feel as good. Um, you know that you're probably going to gain some weight, but you also know that you can get back on the diet when you come back home. And so when I went to Ireland. Yeah. I, I had Irish food and, you know, I got bloated and gassy and I realized, oh yeah, carbs are making me feel negative and, I feel lethargic now and, you know, I feel more anxious and, and unease, but I know that when I get home, um, I can get right back to what I was doing. And I know, and I know that why I did it because I felt better. Um, and so when I came home, I got back on plan and, you know, life returns to normal, but I, I only was able to do that because I'd proven to myself through all those small steps that I knew what was going on with my body and how to master it. Right on. Hey, so do you do any testing at all? Do you test your blood sugars or did you used to, do you put, test your ketones? I don't do, I don't do any, any testing. Um, I've thought about trying it more now just from geekiness. Um, I, and it's weird because I'm, I tend to be like a data person. Like I have an Excel spreadsheet with like body fat and like measurements and all that because I, I'm, I, I felt focusing more now on putting on muscle mass, but I've never been a tester. When I first started, I did the, the, those P strips, but then at some point along the way, I decided I, I, I'm seeing uh, there's a, Reddit called keto gains and they talk about, you know, chasing results, not ketones. And I realized, well, what matters is, is ultimately, you know, am I meeting my goals? How do I feel? You know, um, 
And so I would go whenever I went to the doctor, you know, for my for my, for my checkups, I would get my blood pressure checked and my, my blood sugar checked and my cholesterol checked. And that was fine because as long as those those levels are being looked at every now and then, all that really matters is how I feel. And I felt like, well, I don't really need to know what my ketones are because did it really matter? I lost 200 something pounds, you know, without, without ever checking my ketones. So why do I care about that now? Right. Um, and so I understand the value of that. Some people want to see like, oh, uh, did this quest bar impact me? Did this like this thing impact me um and i just focused on how i felt and and learned along the way um so it's never was important to me i thought about it just just so i know but at the end of the day i kind of know by how i feel you know some people freak out like oh i think this might this chinese sauce might have had some sugar in it i was like you you would know if it had sugar in it you know either you can tell or you can't you know and if, if you can't tell you know, does it, does it even really matter? You know, just keep moving. I mean, I'm not saying that someone who's, who's di- diabetic and really needs to know it. People tend to be worried about the smallest thing, having the smallest gram of sugar in it sometimes. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's not going to really be a big issue. Um, if, if, as long as you're, you're honed in on most of your diet, that, that, that one, um, you know, product may have had some sort of impact on your ketones, you know? Right. Exactly. Are you doing any supplements? Yeah, so I supplement big time with salts. I I learned hard. Someone who lifts weights and and is pretty active. If I don't, I feel miserable, and my gym performance really suffers. So I um I go to the gym in the morning, and when I wake up, I just um immediately have uh I have a Nalgene that I the night before it has has salt, and uh by salt I mean potassium salts and some sodium. And I take a magnesium supplement and I take that, um, in the morning I've usually mixed it with Mio, but lately I've been trying some gold Ultima and zip is just as a different thing. Um, just out of, for an experiment's sake, it's a little bit cheaper than buying Mio's, but I take salt. I, um, take magnesium at nighttime before I go to bed. Um, and then I take a K2 D3 multivitamin. I'm up here in Pacific Northwest where it's very dark in the winter time. And I, I noticed that if I don't take a lot of uh, vitamin D, then I get more uh, seasonal affectional disorder. Yeah. So I take vitamin uh, D and K2, which I think are, you need They kind of, there's some sort of synergy there. there there's the, definitely a synergy there. And yeah. you need both of them to upregulate the vitamin D. Yeah. So I take those together. I've taken, I, I take a multivitamin, even though I'm, I'm kind of dubious about its effect because I've taken it and then not taken it and haven't noticed any difference in my life. I'm not saying that, it's possible to vitamin deficiency without noticing it physically, but I've never really noticed a difference. I definitely notice a difference when I don't take salt. Definitely notice a difference in the wintertime when I don't take D3. I mean, it sounds kind of like hard to believe, but I definitely start to feel more depressed and down when I don't get enough D3 in the wintertime. No, no, it totally makes sense to me. And it, and a lot of the, I like a, a super high quality multivitamin um, because different deficiencies like zinc and things like that, you might not notice over a month or, or mm-hmm. uh, six months, but, you know, three years in, um, five years in, 10 years in um, of having a nutrient deficiency is, you know, detrimental to so many things. Yeah, I, I take a, a multivitamin more like a Pascal's wager kind of thing, if that makes sense, because I just want yeah. to be safe. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. And it's, it it's definitely recommended um, to take that multivitamin, especially because the food that we have now, even the organic small farm stuff, it's just not as nutrient dense as it used to be. And um, supplementation, I think, is just absolutely necessary, uh, especially when you look at, like, um, you know, some medical reports out there, the things like zinc, you know, like 80% of the people out there are zinc deficient, you know, or iodine, mm-hmm. is a, a crucial mineral for so many 
um, different things in our body that we're deficient in. Uh, and people don't get it and they don't know it um, because they're not testing for it. And um, 20 years down the road, you know, they're, they got um, like stiff joints and things like that that could have been prevented. So um, ending the podcast, uh, what is your go-to takeaway uh, for our listeners, for the listeners out there? Um, what What is one thing that you want to share with them from your um, experience that, that I, you think they must know? Uh, I, if, I would say there's two things. I would say this, this is a long-term process, um, and I think it should be a long-term process. Um, think of it as like when someone – wants to be financially successful in life. If someone wins the lottery and they, they're handed a million dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, odds are they're going to go bankrupt because they don't know what it takes to manage the money. Um, and it's, even if you want to lose a bunch of weight, it's far better to learn how to do that slowly over time rather than just having it all melt away overnight. And, I, and if you wanted to be, you know, become a financial, financially savvy person, it's probably better to learn through small incremental steps. That way you know how to manage the money, what it takes to get out of debt. Versus having someone just buy you out of debt. So just embrace the process and then fall in love with the process. That's the, that's the key. Like I, 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 I'm trying to right now kind of maintain or put on some muscle mass. And if I weigh myself every day, some days I'm up five pounds because I can hold a lot of water. Some days my scale says you've lost muscle mass. And I know that it's a slow and steady process. And then every day it, it might be a little bit jarring. But what am I doing over time? And focus on the big picture and, the pro- and just trust in the process. Um, the other thing I would say is that just do it. You know, people always ask, you know, oh, I don't have enough information or I don't know what to do or, you know, they want to ask a bunch of questions. Just, just do it. Learn by failure. You just, just try it and see what works and what doesn't. You'll learn more about yourself. It's key because I can tell you what worked for me, but I can't tell you what's going to work for you. And that applies to everything. You know, um, like, you know, what, if I, I want to cook a steak a certain way, we'll just go buy the steak and try it. Uh, I want to and see what happens or, I, you know, does this vegetable taste good? No, just buy, try it. Find out for yourself. You know, you know, will this is too much protein going to make me feel bad or too much fat? We'll just try upping your protein and fat and see how, see how you respond. Just don't be afraid of experimenting. You know, don't be afraid of, of trying it on yourself because it's only going to have to be a personalized journey for yourself. And the more you, you learn it, learn and own the process versus having someone tell you what to do, the more successful I think you'll be. Thank you, uh, Miles. That's awesome. And I really appreciate you being on the Mountain Man Nutrition Podcast. Um, to end the show, tell uh, the audience, um, uh, 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 how, how long did it take you to get to your, the weight that you really wanted to be at and what it was that weight? Um, I, so I started keto in, in 2011 at 465. And I got down to the lowest weight I've ever been as an adult, about 202 um, in 2016. So that was about five years. Um, and today I'm, I'm like 219, 220 with so at less, um, uh, same body fat percentage as I was at, at, at 202. So I, I bulked up and put muscle on. So I think my ideal body weight is like a low, lower 200s, like 210, 220. Um, and so it took me, you know, five or six years to do that. And I could have done it, you know, faster, but I just did it slowly because that's what, what I was capable of doing. Um. I think that's, that's what worked best for me. I know some people have done it much faster, and I, and I congratulate them. But for me, my journey took five, six years. Awesome. I really appreciate it. And thanks for being on the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. Have a great day and good wishes. You too.
Hey, this is uh, Jeffrey with Mountain Man Nutrition again. And if you like the podcast you just heard, uh, tell a friend. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, share it on Twitter, uh, wherever you can share it. Tell uh, somebody who can benefit from it because that's why I'm here and that's why I'm doing this podcast is to benefit as many people as possible. Uh, millions and millions of Americans uh, have suffered from type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, and uh, are continue to suffer. So if we can benefit them uh, in any way, shape, or form with this podcast, I want to do that. So please uh, uh, share it with your friends. Uh, get on iTunes and give me a five-star rating uh, if you liked it, uh, five stars. And then write a little uh, uh, blog about it or a little uh, uh, give me, say something about it so other people can find it um, that you're not sharing it with. You know, the more people who listen, uh, the more uh, benefit we can do for others, and you can be a part of that. And I'm asking you to be part of that. So let's uh, share this podcast as often as possible. Thank you very much and good wishes to you.